The past few weeks we've been in Matthew 6, and we're going to be there again. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. If you've got a phone, you can go there. Uh, if you're using one of our blue Bibles, it's on page 473. As you're turning there, I'll, I'll recap where we've been, all right? So a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, Jesus' instruction with your prayer life. He says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And we just talked about how in a culture that says, reserve your best for the audiences, give your best to the crowds for everybody to see. Jesus says, now when it comes to the Father, instead of giving your best to the crowds, uh, give your best to the, the closet, the inner closet. Like, spend time with your Father in the private places of your life. And we just kind of ask the question, you know, what, what could it look like for us as followers of Jesus to give our best lives to God in the private place where it's just us and God? What could that look like? And um, then the next week we did Lectio Divina and just did the Lord's Prayer. And now we're spending the next few weeks in the Lord's Prayer. Last week we talked about, um, or no, hold on, two weeks ago, uh, we talked about proactively living for the kingdom of heaven instead of only reactively defending against the kingdom of hell. I thought that was an amazing time together. We had a lot of back and forth. That's on the podcast. Um, I can't catch you up all the way right now. And then last week was also powerful, man. We talked about how God is both Father and King. In the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, so Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, you're holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about how God is both Father and King. And in unhealthy seasons, we tend to neglect one and lean toward the other. So if he's all Father, no King, we talked about what that can result in. Or if he's all King, but not a Father, what that results in. And when he's both, that's when we're kind of in the, the healthiest place. And we just, we really broke that down. There was a nice little tool we used. And anyway, podcast, 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 all right? So this week, we're talking about daily bread. We're gonna cover a really short verse. And just to, to preface this, I feel like I've got like 70% of a teaching this morning. I think God is, is actually putting something really amazing in my heart. And I think it really speaks to culture. And I, I can't wait to see what it's gonna become. <laughs> but for now, we're not there, okay? So I'm giving you like 70%. Um, 70% in a way, okay, there's gonna be a beginning, middle, and end. Like I won't just like stop 70% of the way through and be like, all right, I'll tell you the 30% later. Um, but I just, I feel like this is a big conversation. Um, but I also think that what I have now, the Holy Spirit has led me to, and I I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, I'll start per usual with the story. So Leah and I, um, we got back from vacation with her family, which my mom and aunt-in-law are here, shout out. Can you just give them a hand just because I want them to... <laughs> look back on this and think of me fondly. I'd be like, man, that Josh, what a nice guy. Uh, love you guys so much. <laughs> love, love your daughter so much. Serve her well. Um, anyway, uh, anyway, I'll joke. I got to get out of this mind space. So um, Leah and I were coming home from vacation, and we had just taken a vacation uh, in Branson, Missouri with her family. When I said vacation, it was the first place your brain went to. Well, I bet you were in Branson. And we were. You were right. And uh, before that, we went to Colorado. Uh, just her and I, we had our first like vacation as a married couple. And the fun part about um, those vacations was we couldn't afford it. And um, that's why credit cards are awesome. You can spend money you don't have and there's no catch. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, uh, there is, isn't there? And so we're on our way home and we're like, all right, listen, we're in the negative. We're not gonna panic. But part of the reason we're in the negative is because our spending is super greedy. <laughs> That's pretty much the reason. We both are sufficient in the money we make and we just spend it. And so 
we were just kind of talking about, you know, hey, let's, one, let's get out of the, neg- the negative. <laughs> I, won't call, I won't shorten that word again. Um, let's get out of the negative. And, uh, and then once we get to the positive, let's grow the positive. Let's like start doing this like weird thing, savings account, whatever that is they've been talking about. And let's figure that out. But we started talking through how hard this has been for us, that when we get to, when we make it to even, when we no longer are in debt, we don't do a great job saving money. Because Leah and I, we love little knickknacks so much. Like anything within 10 to $120, that is our sweet spot. We're gonna spend it, all right? Like we love it. Like for a while I was obsessed with the Sonos speaker. And if you're a close friend, you know this is true, right? I've told you to buy one, right? It's beautiful. It's, it's like a rounded square speaker so the, the edges aren't sharp, they're sleek. And they get this like kind of infinity vibe. And it's, it's like really beautiful. It sits really, uh, this looks so modern on your shelf. And, and for a while I had one that I got for, I'm getting up and walking around now. I'm like feeling this story. <laughs> but uh, for a while we had one in the right side of our room and I was just like so on getting another one for the left side of the room. So that when you stood in the center of the room, because they, they connect via Wi-Fi, they're amazing. They sound beautiful. That the sounds would just like hit your ears like this. And it would just be like, wow. And waterfalls are all back here. You're like, I, if I close my eyes, I am, I am in the rainforest. It's happening. I'm here. I don't even have to get on a plane. It's awesome. So that's the kind of stuff I'm obsessed with, right? We're pretty obsessed with like home decor. Uh, we've had this pretty ugly rug under our coffee table for forever. Um, and the coffee table is really heavy and goes through the rug and scratches our floor and it's awful. And so we're like, we got to get a rug. That's how we think, right? And what I learned was we think about Sono speakers and rugs as if they're needs in our life. And as we were talking, we, were, we got pretty deep here, and I won't give you the whole story, but we started going, what does it look like to invite God into this? And I just thought, like, why do we keep treating desires like needs, right? Like, like as soon as a desire pops up, we meet it. Even if we literally don't have the money, we meet it. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> like, if you don't have the money and you don't need it, you probably shouldn't spend the money that you don't have on it, right? And we get that up here, but we keep running into this, why do we keep needing it? Like, oh, I'm good. And then the Adidas Ultra Boost pop up on my Instagram ad. And I'm like, huh, I, I would preach better with those on. You know, I, I just, I know the Holy Spirit would use that. You know, it's like, well, what happens? Like, why do I feel this gravitational pull? And, and that's what I want to talk about today. Because Jesus is going to give us this prayer. And he's going to say this little sentence, give us this day our daily bread. And I want to stop there and just like think a little bit about what he's saying. I think the Holy Spirit's been leading us. So um, let's read Matthew chapter six. We're going to start in verse nine just to kind of uh, recap where we've been, and then uh, we'll stop at verse 11. It says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I just ask, would you speak to us through your word? Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us a prayer to model our prayer life after, a prayer that's words for us when we don't have them. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to move. Give us hearts to receive. I think this is 100% applicable to all of us, and just speak to us, God. And and we don't want to be stubborn when you speak to us. We want to listen and be humble and uh, obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, All right, so it says, give us this day our daily bread. One, did anyone relate to the story I told? Have you ever confused need and desire? If you have, just raise your hand. Have you? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Affirmed. 
So I wanna give some context to this verse. Give us this day our daily bread, okay? So when Jesus says pray like this, and he says give us this day our daily bread, or it could be translated give us our bread for tomorrow, uh, regardless of how you translate it, you get this daily pace of it, right? It's not this give us this day our next year's bread or, or our retirement bread or whatever. It's just daily, right? And this would make a lot of sense for someone hearing Jesus say this. Uh, when he was speaking, listeners most likely had a daily wage. So whereas you get a weekly paycheck or a biweekly or a monthly, whatever it is, the people he was talking to most likely worked every single day and then got their day's payment that day, right? And so when Jesus says, you know, give us this day our daily bread, he's going, hey, trust God with daily provision. And it was kind of their only option. It was literal daily provision for food, for whatever else. And so they would have heard this and went, this makes sense, right? And often this passage is taught and it's used to like talk about, hey, trust God for your daily needs, right? And that's true, that's very important. So if any of us find ourselves needing something daily, uh, it's a great instruction to go, hey, give that need to God. Like, do what you need to do, but also trust the Lord with daily provision. But I started thinking about this this week. And I realized that depending on who you are and what context you're in, you hear this differently. So if you're in a situation where you're not sure where your next meal is coming from, or you're not sure where you're sleeping that night, or you're not sure where you can get clothes, right? You read this, and it's a pretty literal, just take it for what it says. God, will you, will you please provide what I need? Because I need it. But I also realize that for a lot of us, and I'm gonna paint broadly here, all right? So I'm not assuming that none of us have daily needs. I know they can exist, okay? But I realize that for us in this culture, most, if not all of us, are just chilling in the 99th percentile in regards to wealth, just because you're here right now. I mean, you're there, right? And I'm not saying in comparison to the rest of Nashville. I'm not in the 99th percentile in Nashville, right? But with the world. And I've realized that, I don't know, I feel like God was giving me a different angle at this. God, give us our daily bread. Jesus does not say, pray like this. God, give us daily bread, an appetizer, dessert, excess. God, give me an all-you-can-eat buffet. He says, give me daily bread. And I, and I realized like, oh, it's not just what he's telling me to pray. It's also what he's not saying. He's saying, come to God with your daily need. Trust him with that. But be, what I felt for us was be careful not to bring daily wants, desires, and greed and acting as if that's also need. Right, and we're gonna flesh out this thought. So I'm gonna, I read a commentary and it, it was kind of cheesy, but I liked it also. It's kind of the quest of differentiating need from greed, all right? Um, I probably won't say that phrase again because I don't know, it makes me uncomfortable, but need and greed, all right? Like rhymes and, uh, but need and desire. If you've ever felt wants, desires that were so pressing on your life that they started to feel like needs, like, God, I gotta have this, I gotta have it. It's like, ah, do you? Jesus says, hey, pray to God and ask for your daily provision. But what does it look like for people that if they didn't pray today, they would get their daily provision? What does it look like as Christians? If that's you, you go, I'm probably gonna have food tomorrow. Shelter, clothes. What, is, what does it look like to approach this prayer from this angle? And so I wanna flesh this out, all right? So have, has anyone seen the, uh, the documentary um, Hacked on Netflix? 
Makes sense, makes sense. All right, let's go. So two people, that is two total people, which I was surprised by. I thought it, for, I, for some reason, I thought it was like viral and like the thing. So I thought everyone was gonna be like, yes, they're hacking our phones, um, but no one's seen it. So you don't even get the joke I'm saying right now. So the documentary opens up and they, and they asked this really, this question that I think we've all asked. They said, do you ever feel like people are listening on your phone, right? Do you ever feel like, like that thing pops up on your Instagram ads and it's like organic sunscreen and you're like, I was just talking about organic sunscreen yesterday, but I haven't Googled anything. Siri's listening, right? Have you ever had that moment where you were, has anyone had that? Give me some, like, yes, yes. Like, right, like you see the item pop up and you're like, how did it know, right? And the documentary starts with going, no, it's not actually listening. And I'm not agreeing with that yet. I still think they might be, right? But what he starts going into is, no, what's happening is people are collecting your data, all right? Data, which one do you say? I think I'm gonna say data. I think that's what I'm gonna go for the rest of the time. They collect your data, okay? And so what they were talking about was by the time you're like some young age, they have 5,000 data points on you. And it's weird even saying this because this isn't something we used to as humans have to think about, data points. What does that even mean? But it means they know what you're looking up, always, what you're purchasing. Every time you download that little game that you wanna play and you have to agree to something, hey, we're only gonna look at your Facebook, blah, 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 blah. And you say, yes, I don't care. I just wanna play golf right now. Like, that's all I wanna do is just swing the little thing with my finger, right? It's like, you've given them your privacy, right? And so this documentary, it goes into some pretty wild stuff and I, I recommend it. I think there's language in it. So maybe not, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure there might be though. But this documentary goes into how People have used data to literally sway elections in countries. Like they use your data to find neutral voters, give them fear-based ads that make them vote a different direction. And it has swayed elections in multiple countries. Today, we're not gonna talk about something that scary, but if they can sway elections, I also think they're capable of other things. What I realized was, oh, this thing data that is now more valuable than oil, legitimately, right? is being used by rich people who want your money to advertise very specifically to your desires. Are we tracking? So that when you get on Instagram and see the organic sunscreen or the John Deere lawnmower, or whatever the thing is that you're really wanting a new thing of, and the ad comes up, you're like, wow, is this God's timing? No, nope, <laughs> no. Most of the time, it's probably an algorithm that has been put into place by rich, powerful people to get your money. And I was thinking about why is city life so great? What's so awesome about it? And other than the, I love city life. I love Nashville. I don't ever want to leave forever. Okay, I love it. But what I was realizing was cities are just bigger versions of towns. It's just more things that you can buy. Like, oh, this area is so awesome. They have what? Amazing coffee shops, shopping centers, restaurants, all people <laughs> that before they're concerned with your happiness, they want your money, right? And I realized like, oh my gosh, so many people are after my money. And as we live in this culture, I've realized that the, the, the sentence I came up with that I thought was kind of nice was when capitalism meets smartphones in 2019, you have rich, smart people, richer than me and smarter than me, who were always after your money and who are always telling you that you need something, right? That you need it. And this feels petty, right? Some of you are sitting here going, I know what advertisements are, thank you. I realize that they want me to buy the thing you're a genius, right? I understand. This is like petty elementary stuff until you think deeper about it because what it does over the long haul, right? It's kind of like death by a thousand needles. Over the long haul of over and over and over and over again, 
Your desires being shown to you on a screen, telling you, you need this, you need this, you need this. What happens is wants and desires and then actual needs start to become synonymous. And that is a really powerful thing in regards to your contentment in life. And I thought, why is this so powerful? Because they're all selling us the same. And I'm not, okay, real quick, buying things, it's cool. You get a new rug for the house and it really sets off the living room, great. I'm not demonizing wanting things, okay? But, oh man, where was I? Hold on. Oh, what it is doing though, what they're selling you is this. That's it. They're going like, I'm just trying to let you breathe deeply. I just want you to feel content. And when you get this, these shorts, that material, that little nifty side pocket, instead of going all the way down, it's just right here on your hip so it won't fall out. Like these shorts, that destination spot right there. Okay, yeah. This car, all right. This paint, you put some light in this room, you'll sit on the couch different. You get that couch, you'll really sit on the couch different. It's nice, right? Everybody's selling us the same thing. Have you ever felt out of breath? You didn't know why? Has anxiety ever actually manifested itself in your physical body and you're like, no, seriously, I'm out of breath. And you just find yourself like, what's gonna be the thing that helps me? And for us to realize that we live in a culture that is praying, that is praying on you, that wants to create lack in you that you didn't have previously, that wants to force your hand in believing, oh, I don't have what I need. I need more. It's making wants and needs synonymous. And I think that God has something different for us. Um, let me figure out where I was, because I, um, sorry, I have relief. Oh yeah, I was talking to a friend this week and he was talking to me about how starting out, uh, right after he got out of college, he decided to, to start a startup company and he was driving around a minivan for Uber and that's how he was making his money. He didn't know where his next dollar was really coming from in regards to the company. It was a really nerve wracking time, but he really trusted the Lord. And fast forward a couple years, he's now bought his first house. He had a brand new car that he didn't even pay for. His company has really grown. I mean, it's doing amazing we were sitting on his porch and he was just like, you know what's crazy? I'm, I'm more discontent now. Like I wish I could grab onto that feeling that I had when I was just like trusting the Lord to take care of me. But now I got plenty of things that I owe money on that I'm paying for that I can easily afford and it, I don't, I feel unsettled, right? And this discontentment, this anxiousness that I do think is the air we breathe in a lot of ways. I mean, I don't remember the stat. There's like a staggering amount of advertisements we see every day but over and over again, a voice is telling us, you don't have it yet. Whether it's an item, an idea, or a story you're supposed to live into, so many voices are telling you you don't have it enough. And I just want to say this. Any voice that tells you you're lacking something, you need more, unless it's a daily provision thing, right? If it's just something over here, not food, clothing, shelter, whatever, walk with God, all that. Any voice saying you're not enough yet, you don't look the right way, you don't have the right stuff, you're not living the right story, is not of God. And to press pause for a second and go, hey, if it's not of God, who's it from? Because if it's not of God, it's of something, right? And we're quick to go, oh, it's me, I gotta work on this habit. And that's true, we have work to do in this area. Leah and I have to, we, we got some work to do in this area, all right? That's real, we have responsibility. But it's not just you. 
all right? There's other powers at work. And in a lot of cases, I think it's the voice of the enemy. Satan, you're not enough. You don't have enough. You're not living the right story, right? FOMO, funny hashtag, toxic mindset. You're not living the right thing. Even right now, you could be at that church. You'd be telling way funnier jokes. I mean, like FOMO is like really real. Like you ever been like at a night and you're just by yourself and you may have a time of silence and solitude, but you're checking the story and you're like, oh, why didn't they invite me? It's like, that's a funny thought, right? Except when it's your life and you're constantly wishing you were somewhere else, right? It's like, what is this mindset that we're always living in? I need that, I need to be there, I need this thing, I need this lifestyle. And I wanna just dig in here because I think God has something for us. What does it look like to be content with what we have, right? And so I wanna ask this question before I move into kind of where I feel like God's leading me in this. Um, I, I forgot the slides. Where's the, do we got them? Oh, thank you so much. Can you do the first question? Yeah, and then I'll take it from you because I always forget this part. All right. So I want to give you like four or five minutes, or no, like one minute. <laughs> um, and I want you to think for a second. If you resonate with anything I've been saying so far, what is a want or desire? What want or desire in your life feels like a need? What is something you've been craving lately? And we're going to play some like soft music, and I actually want you to think about this. And if you're, if you're thinking about whether or not to opt into this, please opt in. What's something that you've been craving? And it's not actually, actually a need, but it's kind of dictating your mindset as if it is one, all right? So just think about that for a second, like a minute. I'm just gonna sit here, then we'll continue, okay? I wanna give you a chance to participate and think about this. Maybe write it down. All right, um, we probably had enough time to think of one or two things. I'd love if, if one or two is just courageous enough to share. I mean, I've shared about Sonos speakers and rugs, so there's nothing too shallow for sure, but also don't be scared of the deep end. Um, would anyone like to share? What's something that's been on your heart? It's just a, a desire, a want, but it feels like a need. It's kind of on your mind. Yeah. So Right. Does anyone relate to that? Like paying off debt, I need to make more money to pay us off, wish I made more, yes. Hey, people behind you definitely related um, to you, just so you know. Oh, and, and someone way in front of you. Um, but absolutely, yeah, that, that idea that, oh, I need more money to get out of this thing and then everything will be good. That's what I need right now. What else? Yeah. Um, so my parents and my brother and sister will both have brand new homes. Um, and I feel like time we're together, I feel like I have to prove that I also can buy new things for my home, and I can do that too, and mm. for a long time, we didn't have the money to do that, but I would do it anyways, and because we would all go to two year nights together, we would go wow. and we'd come in town, our thing was, we'd go to antique malls and shops and everything like that, and I'd be like, I can buy it too. Like, I'm, yeah, look at me. I'll we're, prove it. We're the same. Yeah. You, know, you have a house, I have a house, we can do it. And, like, I felt like I needed to be up. And it was my family, which is so silly because, like, family doesn't care. Um, but, yeah, I just felt like I needed to be on the same level. Yeah, has anyone ever dealt with, like, by comparison, just trying to keep up with everybody else? Have you ever felt that? Yeah, that's so normal. I think I've done that. As you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I do that. That's good. What else? 
Yeah. I think cosmetic things like getting your nails done, getting your hair done, makeup, like I feel like especially as a girl, like all that stuff feels like necessary and like you have to spend money on it in order to like I don't know, be like perspective almost. Wow. Yeah. Does anyone resonate with that? Yeah. And for the record, guys, I mean, I see a new protein online. I'm like, all right, look, I need to bulk up like by 70 pounds. So whatever works. <laughs> and that guy is ripped. So I'm going to try to have those biceps by next week of 2027. Um, one, one or two more and then we'll, we'll move on. But I really thank you. That, those are like some, that's amazing that you're willing to say that because so, everyone feels it, right? But when you're just in here, it's like, oh, maybe I'm the only one that's like carrying this insecurity or just trying to compare, keep up. And it's like, no, we're in this culture together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I was hearing you talk about like buying things and I thought I can't relate to that at all. But then when I thought like, for me, something that I think I need is like to like achieve or just like there's a sense of self-actualization specifically within like the field that I want to go into. Wow. It's like, I don't necessarily need this, but I definitely feel so. Right, right. Yes, that's so good. One more, then we'll, be, we'll move on. Yeah. Is it, again, not like a physical thing, but it's almost kind of an idea where um, if you don't have money, you just have less possibilities. Mm. If I get more, or if something did come up, I would be able to tap control. Whoa. That's so good. Yeah, to point to the control factor in that, that's so good. Yeah, so this, this mindset, it all comes back to the same root. I mean, it all tells you that if you get something, if you achieve something, if you find that opportunity, if you get the paycheck, that, that thing will, will go away, that voice that goes, but I need this thing, right? But what we end up finding out, I mean, it doesn't take long to figure out this is salt water, the appearance of like quenched thirst, but one drink and you're like, oh, I'm thirsty. I'm even, I'm maybe even more thirsty than I was. This is the book of Ecclesiastes. It's like the story of a guy that goes, man, I got it all. And then some, what's the point? <laughs> you know, there's that like famous Jim Carrey quote that I can't remember, but it's all about like, anyway, being rich exposes, I don't know, I can't remember. So I don't know why I'm talking about it um, anyway. So, but yeah, this is all the same thing, right? It all comes back to the same root. I, I feel this need and then somehow, it, nothing changed. I, I still feel like I'm not there yet. And so I want to see maybe what Scripture has something to say about this. It's 1 Timothy 6, uh, verse, verses 6 through uh, 10, but I, I have 6 through 8 on the screen. Um, and I want to read this to you because Paul, you know, a lot of times we like to talk about like culture, like back in the day, like it's so different, but you're going to hear the same issue, all right, just thousands of years earlier, all right? He goes, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world or we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. All right, that's, that, that's a low bar being set here. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, remember the Father King quadrant from last week. All right, Paul's going pretty kingly here. He's going, hey, the love of money is the root of evil. Um, if you just felt like really exposed and like, whoa, 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 like is it bad to have money? Is it bad to spend money? Don't, don't go too far on this, okay? Allow the Holy Spirit to teach where he teaches, but don't feel condemned in this conversation, all right? Like after the night, I feel like people were like, there's a scenario where you buy the new rug and you're still healthy. And I'm like, absolutely, 
100%, okay? We're talking about the heart issue, the posture of the heart, okay? So he says, contentment with godliness is great gain, which is really interesting because we live in a culture that goes, great gain is great gain. More is more. Like, you get gain by gaining things, right? That's where we live. Items, stories, whatever, but you need more to get more. And Paul goes, no. No, godliness mixed with contentment, that's the gain. That's where you feel the fulfillment of more. When you have godliness mixed with this word contentment, which means to be satisfied. And within that word contentment, it doesn't mean you don't want something, right? You don't have to punish the wants in your heart. Unless they're sinful, right? Then obviously be careful. But, but just because you want something doesn't make this bad, but it's saying, hey, contentment to me goes, I'm satisfied with what I have. There's things I want, but there's nothing I lack. My identity is intact. My humanity, I am fulfilled. I am me, whether or not this ever comes, right? It's allowing God to go, I'm enough for you. You're enough for me. You lack nothing. And what does it look like to begin stepping into this? Because what I've realized is that discontentment, that, that lack that you feel, that takes up real real estate in your brain. That takes up physical space, right? When you're thinking about something, you can't think about something else. So when we live in a culture that's susceptible to this, anxious, discontent, needing more things that aren't actually needs, we, we find ourselves, uh, hold on, my brain, what was I saying? I totally spaced out, y'all. I have so much I wanna say, uh, sorry. Um, okay, yeah, when, when our brain is full of discontentment, we don't have space for the things of God. Like, what I've realized is discontentment is a really sneaky way of making us very self-centered people, selfish people. I'm not trying to like shame us or anything, but like, I need, I need, I need. It's like we live in a culture that goes, this is what I need from you. Not even like products, just like how you treat me. This is, I need this, right? The other day we were in house church training and, and we were talking about what words describe a disciple. And we just made this huge list, like what words come to your mind when you think about a disciple of Jesus? And and then uh, the guy asked us, hey, what comes to your mind when you look at this list of words? And, and one of the guys answered, it, it's selfless. It's outward living. I feel like God just like clicked a light bulb for me. I went, oh, yeah, discontentment makes it really hard to live selflessly. How are you gonna help someone else when you're just stuck in this, like, this misconception that you need something else before you're complete, right? It's like, it takes up real estate in your brain. So when we're consumed with not having enough, not being enough, not being where we need to be, we don't get to think about what God has for us in the present. Does that make sense? Are we still with me? Did I lose this at all? All right, come back if you're, if you're out, all right? Let's keep reading in 1 Timothy. Because then Paul's gonna go, here's what to, to consume your mind with. But as for you, O man of God, he's writing to Timothy, but O man and woman of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 
They said, hey, don't spend too much of your time being discontent. Identify what your needs are. And if God has met those needs, let your mind wander into the things like righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. The rest of the Lord's prayer goes, hey, after you've covered the daily bread, hey, Father, forgive us as we forgive others. That's what we need. Hey, God, deliver us from evil. Don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. That's what we need, right? Those are the things. I need food, shelter, clothing. I need forgiveness in my life. I need to forgive others. I need deliverance from evil because Lord knows evil is around me. I need to think about steadfastness and gentleness and love and faithfulness. When discontentment is at the root of our brain, we don't have time for this. But when we realize that God, the provider, has met our needs and we let him kind of work with the things that we think we need, we don't actually need there, it makes room, literal space in our minds to dwell on these things Jesus longs to help us understand this. In John uh, 6.35, he says he's the bread of life. He says, whoever comes to me hungry shall not hunger. In John 4.14, he says, drink this water and never thirst again. There's a lot of water everywhere, but only my water will quench you forever. And he's often doing this. He's often making like spiritual and physical parallels, right? Like anytime I preach, I'm always thinking about a fitness example first and foremost, because it's just so often, I, then I come up with a different example because I don't want to be that guy. And, but it's so often that physical body communicates spiritual realities, right? Like, and Jesus goes, hey, you know how your body needs bread and it needs water? You need food and water to survive. You got that, you live, okay? He goes, in the same way, spiritually speaking, you need me. That's like the whole point of fasting is going, Hey, take some time to realize that before you need physical bread, you need me, the bread of life, the living water. And in a world that is constantly begging for our attention and our money, we need, we need, Jesus is going, no, you need me. I mean, John 4, 34, Jesus says this really weird thing. The disciples know that Jesus has not eaten and they go, Jesus, you need to eat. Jesus goes, I have food that you do not know of. They're like, what? And he's like, it's to do the will of my father. They're like, what? He's like, listen, there's more to life. Like, I'm like, I'm getting fed off of obedience, right? I think so often we miss that the physical and spiritual parallels applies even to food. If I was sitting here today going, I'm really disappointed with my life today because Friday's lunch is not feeding me now. You'd go, you, you'd have some choice words for my intellect, right? Like, you're like, it's daily, it's daily, it's daily calorie intake, Right? Like you need at least 2,000, 3,000, whoever you are, it changes. You know, it's a sliding scale. You need food. So eat food and your hunger problem will go away. And some of us are sitting here spiritually like, oh, I was so good last week. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just so rattled right now. Eat. Eat. Get in the word. Be with the Father. Like, go get you some. You're hungry. Eat. And what's interesting about John 4 34 is Jesus goes, I've got food and it's to do the will of the Father. It's not even about like me time and like, oh God, are we good? Is everything good? It's like, go, go be obedient. Encourage somebody, disciple somebody, meet a need. Chill out, get outside of yourself. If you're hungry spiritually, eat food. And it's daily bread, right? It's every day. We, we divorce the physical and the spiritual. We need food every day. We need spiritual food every single day. And that's how we battle this, this battle of discontentment versus contentment. We come before the Lord daily. I was talking to a friend that's like, man, when I'm praying with God daily, I'm just so content. But I just noticed as I took gaps, that discontentment rose up. I need to get married. I need this. I need this. You should start telling me these things. I'm like, that makes so much sense. You hadn't eaten recently. You started getting hungry again. 
Like, partake in the bread of life, the living water. And so I want to talk about how it actually looks to step forward in this, because this is what I mean by 70% done. If I haven't connected dots, it's because they're not connected yet, and one day, right? But um, for what we have, I, I want to talk about what it looks like to step forward. And I would love for you to write this down. Three ways that I think we can start taking steps toward discontentment and living in a life of contentment. The life that Paul says, godliness and contentment is great gain. Not modest, great gain, overflow. The first thing, presence. I just realized that sounded like Christmas presents. That's not what I'm talking about. More gifts, um, no. Um, presence, being present is a way we battle discontentment. Noticing who and what is around you and staying there. I kind of already touched on FOMO, but that's a toxic thing to always be wondering if you're the person that's really slow to commit because you're waiting for the next best thing. It's like, hey, think about that. What in you keeps telling you there might be a better thing? What is that? What's feeding that narrative? I don't want to go too hard there, but being present. Who are you with? What is around you? And how can you just be there? Be careful with your scrolling and your story watching. It might accidentally try to take you someplace else that you are not and you will not get there. All right? Be where you're at. Be present. Notice what's around you. Be thankful for what's around you. Number two, this feeds right into gratitude. Gratitude combats discontentment. Gratitude is a literal weapon. Like it's a weapon in the spiritual world. I think so often we ascribe like attack with negative stuff. Temptation, that's a weapon against me. Greed, that's a weapon against me. Lust, a weapon against me. My own flesh, it's a weapon. It's warring against me. Man, gratitude is a weapon that we get to use for our benefit. We get to swing back. When discontentment comes and says, you're not enough, you don't have enough, you're not where you need to be, we fight that with gratitude. Take time to come before the presence of God and say, thank you. And make it a habit, y'all, a habit, a daily habit of thank you for this, this, and this. Change it up. Go long list, go short list. Go long list and don't dwell. Go short list and dwell on a few things. But just remind yourself and remind God you've provided. If you have what you need, be thankful. Remember that. That battles discontentment. Discontentment says you don't have enough. Contentment and gratitude says, no, I do, and thank you for it. Number three, spiritual daily bread. Come back into the presence of God regularly. I've already hit on this, but we don't expect yesterday's lunch to hold us over today. Let's be the same spiritually. Just come back to the Lord. He's gonna help you. Holy Spirit's the helper, all right? Um, I've got an action point for this week, and then we're gonna, we're gonna um, go to communion soon, um, but I, I got something I want us to participate in. One, this week, I wanna challenge you that every day, all right, every day, you find a place of stillness and silence. Jesus often went away I read another example that I didn't even know existed where he just was alone praying again. And you know, he didn't say, hey, we all hold up. I'm just gonna bow my head for a second. Like he walked away, got away from the people, got quiet, and he prayed. And I just wanna challenge you every day this week, find a place that's quieter and still, your phone's probably away, and just thank God. If you wanna think about your day and thank him for those things, if you wanna think about what's coming up and thank him for that, if you wanna think about your life story and your testimony, that can be amazing but just thank the Lord every day this week. Yeah, create that space. As for today, I'm gonna to invite us into this exercise, like five to seven minutes. Two questions, and you can just like kind of follow the Holy Spirit. 
But what are the needs that God has and is providing in your life? So what are the things that God's met in your life? And take your time this morning telling him thank you. Let's just try it today. This can count for today. If we're going to do the daily thing, this will be your today. We'll just get you on a head start, all right? But take today and just thank him for the next few minutes. And don't move on. Just stay there in the gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Here's some obvious things that I always know I'm going to have and I never thank you for it. Boom. Whatever you feel led, take your time to thank him today. Number two, kind of ask yourself, is there any want or desire you need to let go of? Ask God to search your heart and trust him. That scripture, God, will you just search me and know my anxious thoughts? It's like, hey, God, is there anything you're wanting me to let go of? You can trust him with that. He leads into greener pastures, all right? And so if there's something that's exposed, you're not condemned. Just let go. You can trust him with that. So ask God. And, and my advice on this is if one of those two questions grabs your attention, dwell on that one. If you have time to do both, that's great. But take the next five to second, seven minutes to be with God. As you begin, take a few deep breaths. I think sometimes we forget that we need to breathe deeply. It's good for us. And so breathe deeply, think and dwell on this next five to seven. We're going to play some music softly, and then we'll go to communion, take it together, and then uh, we'll get out of here. But thank you all for being attentive. Thank you for sharing, and uh, invite you to engage with this. All right. Um, yeah, we're going to take communion together. Um, I would just encourage you, if God brought up anything in your heart, to talk to him about it more, and, and maybe even share it with someone this week. Um, but don't let this one pass you by. I, I think that, I, I do think, I don't want to be dramatic. I think that um, discontentment is a real, um, a real thing that can prevent us from enjoying God, uh, being fruitful, serving others, loving, loving others, like living into what, what Jesus has for us and experiencing the abundant life. And I mean, in some ways, it's great news, right? Jesus promises this abundant life, and it doesn't require you to gain a ton of things. Like, you don't have to, that's not the assessment, you know? And so he wants to do work in our hearts. So we're going to take communion together and, and say the Lord's Prayer together. Uh, so we can, we can stand, and you can exit towards the middle and go to the front or back. We have communion in all four corners of the room. So whatever's closest to you, go for it. And uh, we'll put the, the, the prayer up on the screen, read it together, and then we'll take communion. All right, um, if you've got your communion, you can stand. Uh, we can just stand together. And I'm gonna read this. Uh, actually, we're gonna read it together, uh, and then we'll take communion together. Um, all right, read this with me, guys. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's take communion together. I'll pray over us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us and, and giving us grace and that your stance toward us is compassionate and kind. Lord, will you just help this word to, to really just bury in our hearts? Contentment does not come from what we can acquire. Contentment does not come from what we can buy. Contentment does not come from all of these places that we're sold. God, it comes from you, Lord. It comes from being your kid and, and knowing that when you see us, you don't see us as like an incomplete puzzle. 
God, that we're your kids, that we're co-heirs in the heavenly realms, that you called us friend. Thank you, Father. But we live in a culture that it just gets hard. I mean, we, we are just, man, we always feel like we're missing out on something. And so will you help us, Lord? Will you help us to, to trust you and to be present and to be thankful and just to, to be with you daily? We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening and being, being a part of this today. And uh, we'll worship and get out of here.